0: may I invite you to take your Bibles, please, if you have them, and let's open them up to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, we continue our study through the gospel of Luke. Uh, Last week, Bill walked us through Luke 18, verses 1 through uh, 8. And in that, Jesus told a story to say, look, this is why and how you ought to pray and never lose heart. And Bill reminded us of some ways that we think of answered prayer maybe uh, within a box that uh, limits what we see when God is indeed answering our prayers. Jesus continues to teach, and we'll pick up our text in verse 9 this morning. We go all the way to verse 17. Now, Jesus, again, is going to tell a parable, and a parable, you know, when he tells these stories there... They generally have one main point that he's making, and it's, it's important not to get lost in the details per se, but to focus upon the heart of what he's saying. And this is one of those parables which is interesting because he makes very clear on the front end who he's talking to, and it really guides our understanding of the story. Let's stand together, would you please? Stand with me for the reading of God's Word, our text for today, Luke 18, we're in verse 9. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted and they were bringing even their babies to him to jesus so that he would touch them but when the disciples saw it they began rebuking them but jesus called for them saying permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of god belongs to such as these Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Father, please add your blessing to this reading of your word. And by your spirit, would you grant us ears to see it and hear it and to respond to it by faith. In Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated.
1: Well, good morning. My name is Heidi Petak, and my husband Brian and I have four little boys, and we um, just found this great website called scripturerelease.com and it's a website that has a free download of 24 scripture memory verses set to music. So our boys have been learning their verses and we thought it would be fun for two of them, this is Jonathan and this is Josiah, to come and sing one of their verses for you this morning.
2: Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be Careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua 1, verse 8. Thank you. Good job.
1: You were perfect. Well, almost perfect. Go run along. Go find your daddy. He's back there. Well, memorizing scripture is not always easy, as most of you probably know, but like I tell my boys, practice makes perfect. And I believe that perfect is always possible when we practice.
2: There once was a woman who was good,
1: very, very good. Did you note that two of my boys sang a scripture memory verse at church this morning?
3: Duly noted and well done. Your four boys continue to be a fine example of your excellent parenting. Thank you. Except for the time one of them peed in the grass by the volleyball courts.
1: I know. I'm sorry. And sometimes that does happen. But did you note that... I had a 13-minute prayer time on my knees by my bed last night.
3: Duly noted. And your knees were hurting, which was counted as righteous suffering and extra credit. Thank
1: you very much. I was hoping that counted for something. What about my 37-minute quiet time yesterday uh, uh, morning? Ah, uh,
3: uh, 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 36 minutes and 40 <sighs> seconds. Can't you round up just this once? Oh. Rounding up is against policy. And according to my records, it wasn't entirely quiet. I know.
1: You know one of my boys likes to play the drums.
3: With spoons on the back of a pie pan. I couldn't categorize that as quiet time. I had to put it under loud time. However, you did journal five pages. Five and a half.
1: And I'll have you know that the church asked me to teach a women's Bible study again in the fall. This time it's called Gospel Transformation.
3: Well, I can only hope that Gospel Transformation will transform your punctuality. According to my records, you were late last year, twice.
1: Four boys make it hard to get out the door.
3: Four boys make me fear to come to your door. I also have a note here that you forgot your Bible.
1: One day last year I forgot my Bible, Smith. One day. But thankfully I have his word hidden in my heart through disciplined memorization.
3: Do not forget your Bible this year. I won't, Smith.
1: But you know, there are some women who can't even afford a Bible because they're wasting all their money on cigarettes. And some women who couldn't read a Bible even if they had one because they're drowning in their addictions down at the Nashville Rescue Mission.
3: Duly noted. I must say, clients like you who continue to show progress make my job delightful. In fact, if you continue in this positive direction, you are very close to receiving your new title.
1: Oh, my new title.
3: That is music to my ears. Uh Ah, may I remind you, practice makes perfect.
2: I know. That day, the woman felt very good about herself. Very, very good. The next week, she was on her way to the library to prepare for upcoming teaching for the woman's Bible study. And out of the sky fell a special invitation.
1: (gasps) It's for me. (laughs) You are cordially invited to join the club. The club? (laughs) Oh, I love clubs. I wonder what kind of club it is. Maybe it's a Christian women's ministry leaders' club. Or maybe a Christian scriptwriters who want to change the world with a gospel club. <gasps> How can I say no?
2: And so the woman followed the directions on the invitation to find the club.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I was looking for a club, but I'm at the wrong now, place. Now, now,
4: wait a minute, honey. What makes you think you're in the wrong place?
1: Well, because... uh, Because you women are are not... uh, Not
4: not your class?
1: I did not say that, no. And I wasn't even thinking that.
4: This one's got a long way to go.
1: Hey! Now, if you're saying I'm prejudiced, you are wrong. I am not prejudiced. Honey,
4: we're all prejudiced. Now, how did you find out about the club?
1: Ah. So you three women are the club? Well, there are more of us, but we're the three today. Okay, great. Well, um, actually, you're not going to believe this, but an invitation just kind of fell out of the sky. That's what they all say. All
5: who? All the folks who come here.
1: Oh. Well, so what kind of club is this? I mean, does it have a name?
4: That's not important. What's important is that today is storytelling day. Oh, storytelling day. Well, that's sweet. Oh, sweet, my aunt, Helen's head. Hey, hey. You sit down. Sit down. S- sit down right here. B- sit okay. down. The
2: quite unprepared for the stories he
5: was about to hear. My name is Angela, and I prepared my notes in my office at work. When I was very young, my mom and daddy, they got a divorce. And I lived with my mama until cancer stole her away from me. And I was so young, I was just eleven, that uh well, I didn't know what to do with her death and you know, and all the stuff that was rolling around inside of me, so I just kept it all bottled up. And I, I had to go live with my daddy, and it was like living by myself because he worked day and night. Well, I got in the wrong crowd at, at school, and by 16, I was addicted to, to at least two different drugs. And by 18, I was doing anything I could to support my habit. I was an escort service person, I was an exotic dancer. And then, when the money didn't come in quick enough from that, I, I, I was a prostitute. You know, I lived to use, and I used to live. I became a monster. I would hurt you before you had a chance to get to me. i was I was abused, i was I was shot, i was I was hung in a tree, I was raped, I was thrown from cars, and then I lost my my two babies to the state. But it wasn't until i was I was pregnant with my third baby and I was in jail that I hit bottom. And you know what? I knelt right there in that jail cell and I, I just gave it all over to Jesus Christ. And you know what? From that day forward, my life is completely turned around. I, I mean, I now live to love and I love to live. And, and he's given me back my, my, my gratefulness and my, my self-respect and my thankfulness and, and my passion. Then he's led me to the most amazing man, and I have the most wonderful children. You know what else? He's even given my thinking back, because I've been able to learn to earn two different degrees in college. And you know what? He promised never to leave my side,
1: and and I know today he still holds my hand. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, beautiful and heartbreaking. Thank you. So what about you? Do you have a story like that too?
4: I do. Yeah. My name is Gwen. Got some notes here, because I tend to get a little nervous. I was born in Alabama, and when I was five years old, my mom and I moved here to Nashville. Wasn't long after that that she met my stepdad. When I was nine, he started to molest me. I never told my mom, one day she caught him and she pressed charges. Then she took him back, sent me to live with my grandmother. By the time I was in 10th grade, I dropped out of school, started drinking, smoking weed, thinking I was all grown up. It's a terrible time. By the time I was 21, I was pregnant. Then I just started hanging out with all the wrong people and I tried crack. I didn't get addicted at first, but then, after about a year, I started selling my body and pawning everything in my house, and then I lost my house. So I left Nashville for 10 years and my family thought I was dead. And then one day, I saw somebody get shot in the head, and I knew I'd better get back to Nashville. And in the time I was gone, My mom had died and been buried, and I knew then I really needed some help. So I went to my probation officer, and I got the help I needed. I found recovery. It's been so awesome. I found a great church, and I found God.
2: As the woman listened to the stories, she was very thankful.
4: Wow, you
1: know, I am so thankful that God rescued you both from darkness and brought you into His marvelous light. And I'm so thankful that I've never had a probation officer. So, how about you? Do you have a hard story, too? I do.
6: Yeah. My name's Mary Ann. Hi. My father was terribly abusive. My mother was mentally ill, so she was totally unavailable. I grew up hungry, afraid, alone and poor. I smoked my first joint at seven, had my first drink at thirteen, and by sixteen I was pregnant and on my own. At twenty-one I was attacked by a total stranger. That was the worst by far. At twenty-seven I was a full-blown drug addict and I stayed on that path for fifteen years. I seen, touched, tasted, smelled, and lived through things that most human beings wouldn't be able to. I've eaten out of trash cans, sold my body, lived in ditches, took beatings and met Satan. I know what it's like to have a man cheat on me, beat on me and die on me. But I also know what it's like to hold a newborn baby and find beauty in a flower and heal my wounds. I met Jesus three years ago, and my life's never been the same since. I'm no longer fatherless, hungry, beaten, alone, or afraid. He's got big plans for me. My life has now lived for him, and I'm so blessed. He's my best friend, and I no longer run from my past. I embrace it. I hope the same for
1: you. Thank you. Thank you. So that's your true story? Yes, ma'am. It's not out of a movie. No, ma'am, that's my life. Wow, thank you to all of you. Thank you for sharing your stories with me.
5: Well, now that you've heard our stories, how about your story?
1: Yeah, what's your story, girl? Oh, my story? Well, I mean, a big part of my story is that I believe that the Lord has given me the gift of prayer, of ministering to troubled people by praying for them. And if we look up in our Bibles in Acts nine seventeen, we can see where Ananias prayed for Paul, and I don't have my Bible. Oh, I don't have my Bible. Um, Yeah, you guys can look that up, where he prayed for Paul. And I believe that's why God called me here today, is to to minister to you by praying for you. And so I'm just going to ask that God would would bless you. Wait, wait,
4: wait a minute, honey. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, we can use all the prayer we can get, but you weren't invited here to pray for us. You were invited here to join the club
1: join the club? Oh, wow. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. But, um, you know what? I, um, I feel like God has given me a beautiful gift today and my heart is bursting with gratitude and thankfulness that I've never been an addict or smoked a cigarette. So, um, you're giving me that gift today and I am, I am so thankful. Um, so before I go now, where are you ladies from? The Nashville rescue mission. The where?
6: The The National National Rescue
4: Rescue Mission. Mission. Oh.
1: Wow, okay, so I see you do have Bibles. Uh, And you know what? I'm totally going to be praying for you. I really will. And if I see you out there selling a newspaper, I will buy one. I promise.
2: The woman left, still feeling good about herself, but a bit
6: shaken. Newspaper?
4: (laughs) Newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) Newspaper. (laughs) She is good.
6: She don't belong here with us,
5: I guess. She just thinks she don't. (laughs) Miss Holy.
4: Not to mention white. And skinny. And probably rolling in the dough. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) Oh, man. There I go with my own prejudice, my own judgmental self. Help me, Jesus. Oh, Lord, shoot me too. I need your mercy. Lord, we all need forgiveness. Now, you know, we're going to have to tell her we're sorry. I
6: know. We'll just tell her when she comes back.
4: If she comes back. Right.
6: While the woman
2: greatly desired her good, there were others who desired her goodness even more.
3: She represents you in word and in deed. I am well aware of that, and I'm doing my best to keep her in line. She's been a fastidious client up to the present. The present is only a present if it is wrapped in perfection. You realize what this means for your job if she fails? Yes, I am well aware of the consequences. Smith,
1: did you note that I spent time with three women from the National Rescue Mission today? Duly
3: noted. Duly noted. However, you missed your quiet time again this morning. It is imperative
1: that you prioritize a substantial daily quiet time. What is she doing here again?
3: I'm being audited again.
1: You are always being audited. I am always being audited.
3: My records indicate you made a prejudicial insinuation regarding the troubled women inexcusable and inadvertent nothing is inadvertent out of the heart the mouth speaks the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison according to my records you also forgot your bible
1: I thought it was a script writing name.
3: all the more reason to bring your bible your bible should be your most prized possession according to my records you never did pray for them I tried. You tried. Yes. You tried to pray for them. And for what does that count? I don't have a box here for tried. It is either accomplished or did not accomplish. And so far, my notes make it very clear that you are not accomplishing.
1: I know. (laughs) And I realize that. But I can do better.
3: According to my records, you are running out of chances.
1: Running out of chances for what? To secure his job.
3: To secure your title.
1: No, Smith, you are not going to lose your job. I need you, and I want that title more than life itself. I can do it. I will do better.
3: Then, no more mistakes. Do not fail me.
1: I won't. I I promise. And so the very
2: good woman promised to be even better. The woman worked hard. She faithfully had a quiet time every morning, prayed on her knees every night, led her hairdresser to Christ and bought newspapers on every corner. But then came the fateful week that her youngest started waking up at five o'clock every morning having wet his bed, so she couldn't have a quiet time. Her attempts at sharing the gospel were all rejected. And when she tried to pray on her knees at night, she was so exhausted that she curled up and fell asleep on the floor. And then it was time for her children to perform in another church service.
1: two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus.
2: God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week.
1: I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a tax collector. No, Josiah, the line is, God be merciful to me, the sinner. Now we rehearse this. Why can't you get it right? Decide made a mistake, say. Shut up, Jonathan. You're not perfect either. Boys, we do not say shut up to each other, especially in church. Especially in church. Hey, you are mocking me. I have had it with both of you. Now get off the stage. Oh, baby!
3: You disrespected the word of God by reciting it incorrectly. Did you not rehearse with them adequately? I thought I did. You thought you did. And you failed to keep control over your tongue. You yelled at your precious children, the children God gave you as gifts to treasure. At
1: least I didn't hit them.
3: No, but you wanted to, didn't you? No. Well, would you look at this. My records now indicate that in the deepest recesses of your heart, you wanted to hit them.
1: What? Let me see that.
3: Where? Right there. No! You realize what the desire for violence is? Murderers desire violence. Don't you call me a murderer. My records indicate that you were angry. The scriptures confirm that if you are so much as angry, you will be judged. Judged as a murderer.
1: I am not a murderer. I am a good woman. Your
3: goodness would not stand up in a court of law.
1: Please, Can't you give me another chance?
3: You are out of chances. No. We are out of chances.
1: No, I can't be out of chances. I need my title.
3: Smith, you are out of a job. And now you've cost me my job. No, 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 this can't be happening. What about my title?
1: You can kiss your precious title goodbye. No. Smith, we're not finished here. She's still standing.
3: Smith. What? Wait for me. A bit. Rockford, finish her. No. You failed to have a substantial daily quiet time.
1: You failed to pray without ceasing.
3: What? You failed at honoring others.
1: You failed to keep your thoughts pure.
3: You failed to control your tongue.
1: You failed to obey the ten commandments.
3: You failed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. I tried. You failed. As a mother. No! You failed!
1: I just wanted to be called righteous! That was all I wanted! Righteous?
3: No! <laughs> you are a sinner! 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 And the wages of sin is.
4: death! Yeah.
2: But there were a few people in the woman's life who knew she was a sinner and loved her anyway. I was one of them, because that woman is my mom. Mommy! Mommy! She needs her help, Johnson. Let's untie her. Get that one of her mouth. That is that tight? A little. Who uh, put these on? I'm so
4: Sorry. I'm so sorry I failed you.
2: We forgive you, Mommy. We all fail each other all the time. Epic fail.
1: I know. But I just can't seem to get it right. You don't have
2: to be perfect, Mommy. There was only one person who was ever perfect. Jesus. And he had to die for you because you're such a big sinner. Hey. You don't think you're a sinner? No, I, I like to think I'm not. I can't get this last one untied. Uh, Tied too tight. Maybe you have to admit you're a sinner, Mommy, to be free. Okay. Okay. I'm a sinner. I'm a big sinner. We already knew that. <laughs> That's it. You're free. You're free. Thank you. I
1: love you guys. We
2: love you too. (laughs) Hey, what's that? What is it? Uh,
4: I don't know. Hey, look.
2: You got an invitation to the same club we did. What? It's a really cool club. Wait a minute. You've been there? Yeah, we'll take you with us.
1: Well, good, because I definitely belong in the Sinners Club now. The Sinners Club? Are you kidding me? It's the Forgiving Club. The Forgiven Club. Oh, I like that much better.
2: (laughs) Mom, you don't have to jump through that hoop. Don't get in there. No more hoop jumping for me. (laughs) No more.
1: Hi. Wow, look who's back. (laughs) Angela, Marianne, and Gwen. I need to tell you how sorry I am for how I've judged you. I'm a sinner in desperate need of Jesus. Will you please forgive me? We forgive you.
4: Sure we do, honey. Thank you. We need to ask you to forgive us for judging you. Can you forgive us? You know it. (laughs) Well,
5: welcome to the club! Thank you.
1: (laughs) Man, I guess I'm going to have to be okay with never getting that title of righteous now. I was so close.
6: Righteous, honey, you got that title a long time ago, the day you accepted Jesus as your righteousness.
2: I did?
4: You mean he saw me as righteous all along? He (laughs) did, honey. It doesn't have anything to do with what you did. It has to do with who he is. Thank you. I needed that. Mommy, is being
5: sinner genetic?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately it is, buddy. Well,
5: that's a bummer. Well, let's not forget to write that thank
4: you note to Accountant that's Smith.
1: Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, Accountant Smith, how do you know him?
4: Oh, those accountants, that's how we get all our new members. And <laughs> we are forever grateful to them, aren't we, ladies? That's right. Amen. <laughs> what?
3: <clears throat> we are grateful to you for our new member. Thank you for your excellent work in bringing her to the club. (laughs) Your new client is a case you may find difficult because of his vocation. He is a pastor by the name of Lloyd Shadrach.
0: I don't know what uh, undoes you more, but for me, I've got two things. One thing that undoes me is the recognition that I have this hoop and hoops in my life that I go in and out of, and it's not unusual for me to walk on this stage and in my mind have gone through a hoop thinking, you know, I had a pretty good week, I think it's going to be a pretty good message, just the hoops we go through that we think add to Righteousness, Or the stories that were told over in the club by these ladies, uh, Angela, Marianne, and Gwen. Uh, these stories, by the way, it was, it's three ladies from the Nashville Rescue Mission. Not these three who, who portrayed this, but uh, three ladies from the Nashville, Res- Nashville Rescue Mission who were going to join us, but they had a, a crisis, they weren't able to come, but they were gracious enough to write their stories down. So those stories are real stories of grace and forgiveness. You know, our text today, two men went up to the temple to pray. Two men prayed, but only one went away justified. And that word justified in our text is declared righteous. This is speaking of the justification of salvation, being declared righteous enough to be in relationship with God. And we want you to know that The activities that Heidi described and lived, I mean, Bible study, prayer, sharing her faith, you you understand, these are not bad things. These are good things, and we caricatured them in a sense to awaken and remind us, gang, there's really good things that can actually be really bad when done for the wrong reason. Even those things. Because if we think that our obedience, our avoidance of what we shouldn't do, and our doing of what we should, if we think for a nanosecond at a molecular level that it adds a cell of righteousness to our standing with God, well, those good things have become bad things and obstacles, in fact. righteousness. How is it that the tax collector went home justified? Well, he prayed this prayer. If you look on the side screens, God be merciful to me, the sinner. Seven English words, six Greek words. What did he pray? I want you to notice, first of all, he called himself the sinner in the Greek text, the definite article, the, is in the text. And so this man didn't look around at humanity and go, I'm, I'm one of y'all, I'm a sinner too. He's not one of many. He said, I'm the sinner. And it carries this idea that Paul speaks uh, later in his letters and says, I, I was the chief sinner, I was, I'm the ultimate sinner. Paul himself said, I'm the sinner. It also reminds us that this man understood that when it comes to righteousness, there's no comparison with others. There's just you and the righteousness of God. Excuse me, the righteousness of God. And when you stand next to God's righteousness, you recognize I'm the sinner. There's no one to compare to. I'm the sinner, with a righteous God. He says, be merciful to me. Interesting, this word, be merciful, uh, it's... A similar phrase in English that we find a little bit later. Bartimaeus, a couple weeks from now, we'll study this. He's blind. Have mercy on me, Jesus. It's have mercy on me. We look back at chapter 17, the ten lepers. And they cry out, have mercy on us, Lord. They are saying a word that's a different Greek word than he uses here. They're saying eleo. Have mercy on me. I'm blind. I've got leprosy. Have compassion. Have some pity. But this man says, be merciful. It's a totally different Greek word. And literally, if you've got, in my New American Standard Bible, it's got in the margin, literally, it's be propitious. And y'all are going, well, that helped, you know. <laughs> Tell me the Greek word again. Maybe I'll get better on that, right? Uh, Be be propitious. What's that? Well, propitious has to do with God's wrath being satisfied. You see, sin requires judgment. The penalty for sin is death. When God's wrath is poured out and satisfied, God is propitiated. And so this man. Says, be propitious toward me. It's it it is the, the the verb form of the noun that actually means mercy seat. And so this guy says, be mercy seated toward me. And where did he get that? Well, he got that because in the Old Testament, for thousands of years, they would sacrifice bulls and goats and lambs. And once a year, the Chief priest would go into the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, in the very center of the temple, where the ark was, the, the, the box, the ark of the covenant. Within the ark was the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And the mercy seat, just put this in your mind, it was the lid on the ark. And so when God looked down on his people in the Holy of Holies, he looked down. And what did God see when he looked down? He saw his law. And what else did he see? That his people violated it. And because his people violated the law, the penalty is death. And so once a year, when they slayed the spotless lamb, the high priest would go in. He'd take the blood of the lamb and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, the lid. And so then God looked down. And he saw his people violated the law, rebelled, broke it. They must die. And the blood covered the mercy seat. And God said, there's been a substitute. You all don't have to die for another year. Your sins have been covered by the blood of the substitute." Now this guy, the tax collector, when he says, be mercy seated toward me. Do you see what, remember where he is. He's standing in the temple. What are they doing in the temple at this time? They're sacrificing in the temple. And so he says, the blood that's being spilt on the altar, may it cover me. And Jesus says, this man went down justified. Declared righteous. Where did he get? How in the world did he come to that? How else but God in his mercy opened his eyes. Enabled him to believe it. To trust it. And so the picture we get of this man is this. If you'll track with me. He trusted in the provision of. That God had made and he was declared just what's fascinating about this man in part it's a picture of an Old Testament conversion how are people saved in the Old Testament by believing what God had revealed and trusting God see you you don't hear this guy going I believe on Jesus who lived the perfect life for me. He died on the cross, was buried and raised again. He he didn't say that. Why? It hadn't happened. But he believed and trusted what God had progressively revealed up to that point. And when Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised again, that was credited back to him. You and I stand on this side of the cross. And so our cry, our prayer, God, be merciful to me, is informed by what we know happened. God, I'm going to trust the substitute you provided. No longer bulls and goats that cover sin. You sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place, the perfect lamb of God. His blood has been sprinkled on the mercy seat and covers me. He was buried and raised again. And when he was raised again, what did that signify? God's wrath has been propitiated, satisfied. You see, in our story, there was one who believed that perfection can be achieved. And when you believe that, Then you will have to go through the hoops and through the hoop and through the hoops. There was another who believed that perfection could be received, given. And when we believe that, we don't go through the hoops, we just go to the cross. No more hoops in the Christian life. Just the cross where we constantly go, mindful that God's wrath upon our sin was satisfied there. Let's stand together. As I dismiss you today, I'm going to ask you to pause and think for a moment. If you've never trusted Christ, you can walk out of these doors justified. It's Yes, you can. It's not that you would pray a prayer. I want to be careful. It's not that you pray the prayer, so to speak. Understand, this man prayed a prayer. What saved him was his faith. This prayer simply represented what was in his heart. I believe. And that's how you and I are made righteous. It's not the words of prayer. It's the heart that says, Jesus, I believe. I trust that you died on a cross for me. You took my sins. You paid the penalty. You were my substitute. You were buried and you were raised again. Lord Jesus, I'm trusting what you've done on my behalf. And when we believe that, we go home justified. And you can today. For those of us who know Christ, could I ask you to consider this? Perfection can't be achieved. And so be mindful. If, if, you, if your, your obedience in any way in our minds, we think, you know, that makes me more acceptable to God, I'm a little more pleasing to God, I'm certainly lined up for the blessing now type of thing. Um, the word for us is repent. And, and the word is, I've got these hoops. We need to get rid of them. Stand in the blood of the cross.